This episode of Light Source is brought to you by Squarespace.com. For fast, easy publishing of a professional website, check out photographers.squarespace.com slash ls. And when you sign up, use the promo code LS1 to receive a 10% discount. I'm Julie Klossmeyer, and you're listening to Light Source. Welcome to episode 68 of Light Source, the official podcast of StudioLighting.net, website introducing photographers to portrait and studio lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we have a talk with Julie Klausmeyer. Her website is J-K-L-A-A-S-M-E-Y-E-R. If you'd like to follow along, she is a portrait photographer. She does work with seniors and kids, and she's a boutique shop, and she does some amazing work. And she talks to us a little bit about the business of running a portrait studio and some of her images and props and things like that that's going on. It was a good interview, and uh, I think that you guys will like it. Aside from that, just a couple links that we found before we get into this, Bill. Yep. I sent you one before the show from one of my favorite design websites. It's called smashingmagazine.com. And we'll put a link on the show notes, but they have an article in there. It's near the top of the stack right now. It's called 70 Beauty Retouching Photoshop Tutorials. And that's a lot to get through. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> well, but they could listen to our podcast while they read this. This is true. So it gives them, <laughs> because it's going to take a while to get through this 70 tutorials. Well, the nice thing is they're broken into sections like, you know, skin, hair, makeup, bust line, slimming body parts, improving eyes, mouth, teeth. So whatever area you have that needs work, I'm sure you can find a tutorial in there that will help spruce it up. Absolutely. There's good stuff in there. There is a lot of good stuff. And also while you're there, there's also another kind of inspirational thread, I think, that's called 50 Remarkable Nature Wallpapers. Mm. And there is some gorgeous, gorgeous work that some people have done. Uh, some of it's illustrative, created stuff, but I mean, it's, it's amazing stuff to look at. They must have a team of people just kind of scouring the internet because they always have huge articles like this that compile all the great stuff in one place. I don't know how they come up with all of these things to showcase, but I mean, they got to be looking through a lot of garbage to find this much beauty. <laughs> no doubt. Well, there's some other news. There, there hasn't been a lot of news. I guess it's summertime and we should expect that. We mentioned the D700 last time, but at the same time, we didn't mention Nikon also announced the SB900 flash unit, which is kind of a big deal for those of you that like the portable flash scene. And I mean, Nikon does such a good job with our creative lighting system that I imagine this one's going to be pretty well received. I mean, what are some of the big key features with the 900? Well, I think one of the things that they're touting is it's able to detect whether or not you use an FX or DX format and it automatically adjusts the distribution of light. And it's can zoom like some of the other SB lights, 17 to 200 millimeter coverage, and it has different illumination patterns. So you can kind of weight the light in different parts of the frame and stuff. So it, it, oh, you know, cool. it seems like there's a lot of technology in these flashes. Kind of blows me away. It's amazing what they are doing with these small pocket units. And, and that just helps fuel David Hobby even more. Do you know the other cool thing about it? It automatically detects fluorescent or incandescent color filters and adjusts the white balance on the camera. <laughs> That's pretty cool. When you started saying that, I thought you were going to go that it will change the color of the light as it fires. Uh, now that would be yeah. really cool. Okay, well, that would be, we'll probably need to wait for the next version for that. <laughs> a little arm comes out and changes the filter on the front of the lens. There you go. 
Well, speaking of filters, nicksoftware.com. I read an article that they have a new filter for Photoshop and Apple Aperture, and it's called Silver Effects Pro. And it looks a lot like a lot of the Vivisa stuff that's going out. Mm -hmm. But this is black and white specific. Oh, nice. So if if you're a black and white photographer that wants to create those Ansel Adam-like images, this might be the plugin for you. It's a $200 plugin, which is not cheap. But Nick does some really amazing stuff when they build their plugins. And this is built a lot like Vivisa and NX Capture, where they do the control point technology where you can click and put a control point for a tonal range and then shift your brightness, contrast, saturation for that control point. And I I believe that they have feathering around that control point so that way you can work on spot areas of it. It looks like it has a grain engine so you can introduce different types of film grain or film emulation or advanced styling and all kinds of different stuff. So I mean it's definitely something worth checking out. It's a 15 day trial if you guys want to play around with it and see what you think before buying it. And could you imagine what Ansel would have done with some of this software? It's hard to say. I mean <laughs> you wonder if he would have had all of these tools if his stuff would have risen to the top like it did. Yeah, I don't know. He would have definitely been playing with it. We can tell you that. Absolutely. This kind of reminds me of the black and white stuff you can do in CS3, but this is way more advanced and I think would give you a lot more control. Well, I think it's a matter of deciding whether it's something that you want to focus on and specialize because it's with the price tag, it's probably going to be something that's going to be someone that's very, very focused on black and white photography. Probably take a while to get the hang of it too. I would think so too. And it may be something that would complicate your workflow a little bit. In a good way. Yeah, there's little fun experimental paths that lead you down to new ideas and stuff. Absolutely. One of the other things that I saw actually came into my inbox this week is Orbis Flash. I did see that. Describe that because that's kind of unique. What the website describes it as is a modular flash ring that turns a detachable flash strobe into a ring flash for beautiful shadowless light. Kind of like one of those attachments that goes on the end, or at least I believe it's an attachment that goes on the end of your strobe unit to turn it into a ring flash where it moves all of your light around the lens. And it looks like it's built pretty well. The sample images that they have look really, really nice, and it seems like it's built very well. It's still kind of in pre-sales mode. It looks like it says pre-sales will open in August of this year. So it's hard to say exactly what a lot of the details will be on this. It looks like it says it's under $200. So, I mean, I would hope that it has some pretty cool bells and whistles with it for that price. <laughs> it's not just a Tupperware box. <laughs> well, you know, we talked a couple of months ago about another unit that was kind of like this, but your portable flash was still mounted on your camera, whereas this looks like they're holding it underneath. Maybe you could even take it off of the lens and move it around. So that- Yeah, I'm really curious to see how this is going to end up working. It looks pretty nice. The light looks very nice and even that comes out of it. So, I mean, it says that there's patent-pending light tunnel technology. Mm, good times. So, yeah, sounds pretty cool. You have to put patent-pending so that your product sounds really cool. You do have to put patent-pending. There's a lot of mystery about this. It is. Yet. It's very mysterious. So, <laughs> check out the website. But one thing that we talk a lot about on the show is presenting your work online. And while stumbling around, actually, I think I got there from a link from Smashing Magazine, a piece of software that plugs into J-Album software. And it basically, it's, a, it's an embedded slideshow viewer that goes on your website. But the cool thing about it is that it's skinnable. So you can easily change the layout and look of your slideshow pretty quickly. There's a bunch of different viewers. There's like the standard, the auto viewer and the photo stack viewer and a tilt viewer, postcard viewer. The one that I found that was pretty cool is called Page Flip. And it's kind of like looking through a magazine. You kind of clip on the left-hand corner and drag the, the mouse across the page and you're kind of flipping through a virtual album. It's pretty cool. It is um, cool. That could come in really handy for client proof books and stuff like that. 
Yeah, it gives you the virtual photo book flip through. Maybe if you're doing a wedding or doing a photo book for somebody and you wanted to give them the feel of how it might look. Right. They're flipping through it and see the, the left and right pages together. Yeah, because you could do full spreads because they're side by side. So that might be something useful for you guys. Again, we'll put the links on studiolighting.net for you to check out. And while you're checking all those out, you can check out this interview with Julie Klausmeyer about the business of photography. This edition of the Light Source, we have with us this evening Julie Klausmeyer. Julie is a portrait photographer, does a lot of children's and senior portraits. She was actually one of the requested photographers in the forum. Thank you for coming on the show with us this evening. Great. Thanks for having me. Before we get started, tell us a little bit about what you do in your studio and what makes Julie unique. Well, we focus primarily on babies and children, followed by high school seniors, as you said before. We have kind of followed along with the trend of the boutique studio where we like to be able to provide an experience and, you know, just a little more than a normal portrait session from a studio that we're all used to seeing. Um, we try to go a step above and provide an experience and the whole boutique word that's out there right now, we want to create something more than just a portrait session for our clients. Oh, that's very cool. So how do you go about doing that sort of thing? Like, I, I'm sure that many of our listeners are familiar with the boutique photography studio, but like, what are some of the things that you do that makes it uh, well, an experience? Know, as a mother myself who enjoys the whole boutique experience, when I'm shopping, we try to have unique items that they can't purchase at other photography studios around here. As far as the canvas gallery wrap, we're actually doing a series of those that have embellishments on them as far as little rhinestone bracelets on the little girls where we actually apply the rhinestones or some glitter around the tool on their skirt. And we're dressing those up with big satin ribbons and making it part of a decor or what we even jokingly refer to as a piece of furniture for your home. We enjoy going to the specialty stores and being treated like we're getting a, a one-of-a-kind item. And so that's kind of what we try to emulate for our clients. We have a huge storeroom full of what we refer to as costumes, although they're just kind of trendy little tutus and dresses, little outfits that our clients can come and use when they know that they're available to them in our studio just to kind of make their portraits a little more fun. And uh, some people have referred to it as themed portraiture, but we really don't go as far as creating just a fairy experience or a, a cowboy experience. We kind of just like to put a subtle touch of that in the portrait just to make it a, a more of a unique item for them. When you guys are coming up with these, do you come up with the ideas on the fly or do you do a consultation with your clients ahead of time to kind of talk about what you envision or what they envision? Well, a lot of times, I would say it's about 50-50. We do make suggestions when they call to schedule a portrait session. I always ask if they have seen something or if there's something that they have in mind that they've seen either on our blog or from a client that perhaps referred them to our studio. And a lot of times that just kind of opens the door to some ideas that they may have. A lot of times we try to keep our blog updated with all of our new items and the new outfits that are sets that we do have available. And so we'll get clients that call and they'll say, I have to have the bad to the bone outfit, or, <laughs> you know, because we had just posted it. And they'll say, I know we just did a session three months ago, but we just have to have that outfit. It matches our room or whatever it may be. My husband's in a band and it just goes perfect with our lifestyle. So I would say it's really 50-50. You know, we'll make suggestions. And since we are primarily 
primarily a baby and children's studio. We do want them to come back several times. The first year, of course, four times or so, and the subsequent years at least once, if not twice. And so to change things up and have something different to offer them each time is is exciting for them. Would a typical session involve one outfit or multiple? Since they're so elaborate, it seems like you have your studio set up so that you can move from one room to another or... Actually, what's surprising is my studio is one big room, and it's really not even that big. It's about a 26 by 28 camera room, and we do everything in there. We try to just keep it to one thing per session because, like I said before, it kind of gives them a reason to come back. You know, if we're giving them everything in one session, we're not going to get that repeat business that we want throughout the year from those clients. We feel like it's easier to work with the clients that we already have than to be occupied with pre-qualifying new clients and pulling in advertising to pull in, you know, just anybody off the street. We, we really like to work through our client base that we have. That makes a lot of sense. Before we go too far into this, if people are following along and they want to check out some of the stuff on the website, you can do that at www.jclausmeyer.com. It's J-K-L-A-A-S-M-E-Y-E-R.com. Follow along with some of the images that we're talking about as we're talking about some of them. Now, looking at the blog, I see a lot of, you have a lot of the same props and things like that that you've mentioned that different people will see and they'll want to use. But you do a really good job of making those photos look unique and different, even with the same set of props. Do you find that you struggle creatively trying to make those different? or um, I find that I struggle to make them the same. <laughs> um, I can't do the same thing twice. It's funny because I feel like sometimes my business would be so much easier if, you know, this is our ballet setup and this is our birthday cake setup. But for me, I honestly, you know, you hear the whole ADD thing with the photographers and really anybody who's into lots of art and things like that, our minds run and I get really bored with the same thing. And I think I really try hard to not do the exact same thing every time. I know that it would be easier and I could get in there and get it done. But for me, that's just not what it's about. It's more of a challenge to myself every time I'm out there. It may be a client from two hours away, and it may be a client from my town here, and I don't want them having the same portraits, and I bored doing that. So for me, it's just natural to go in and, and change it up a little bit. Julie, where do you get your inspiration for posing and all that sort of thing? Is it, do you have a process, or does this stuff just come to you naturally? You know, there are a lot of photographers out there that I admire. And of course, we all get inspiration from things that we see online and on forums. And that's another thing. I feel like part of being successful with that is to be able to take an idea and, you know, change it into your own look. I may see what somebody does with a birthday cake and think, you know, that's really cute. But for me in my studio and with the style that we like to portray, we just may need to fine tune that a little bit to work with our sets or to work with our style. I kind of like to let things happen naturally. I feel like once you have your lighting down and you're comfortable with your studio and the way it works, if you're not fussing with all of that, you can focus more on the little things in the session, the little things that make a difference. So we try to keep all that simple and just kind of let the session flow naturally. How much does the interaction with the client affect the pose or the mood for you? Do you get the vibe of the child or, you know, on the scene there? Or do you have something pre-visualized usually? It's funny that you say that because I would never think that I pre-visualize how the session's going to go, although I do spend a lot of time thinking about the session before they come. I'm not a real organized person, but in this sense, I'm a planner. I do three sessions a day. 
I have two and a half hours between sessions from start to finish. So I like to know what's coming up next. And I like to think about what we're going to do as far as the setup, of course. Like I said, I like to let the posing and all that come naturally. But it's, in a sense, pre-planned. But as far as the actual outcome of the order of poses or anything like that. No, we don't have a, this is step one, this is step two, pose number three, and then we move on to this. Right. We have a lot of tried and true tricks that we'll try, you know, with the one-year-olds if they're running around. We always say, okay, if that doesn't work, we pull out the chair. And if that doesn't work, we contain them in the planter. And if that right. you know, we do have some sort of a rhyme or reason, but for the most part, I don't plan out the session. That's great. With the infants, it, it can be challenging to get them to sit up and all that. You, you sound like you have some good experience with that. <laughs> what about children? How do you keep their attention? It seems like in many of the images that I saw on your website and on your blog, you just really seem to have connected with them, which is so important for a successful portrait. How do you pull that off? Well, actually, in our studio, like I said, I do schedule two and a half hours for a portrait session. No, they don't last that long. Occasionally, a newborn will last that long. I may not be working with them the whole time, but they may be feeding or having a diaper change, or we all know what, what goes on with the newborns. The child basically is coming, and they think they're having a play session. I mean, they, they come in, and they're greeted like they would be coming over to play with my kids, and they're made comfortable. There's not a lot of scary cords and lights and technical things around. I have a natural light studio, which I use primarily, and they have quite a big area that they can play around in. And I don't have a magic rubber chicken or <laughs> anything like that, but I do have an assistant. And between the two of us, we're talking to the child and playing peekaboo and singing songs. And I'm sure like everybody does, but I just feel like I try to get them to forget about the portrait session and really just sit down and play with me for the most part. What do you find to be the most challenging part of a child or an infant session? Probably the parents. Yeah, I, was, I was hoping you were going to say. I, do, I get surprised parents all the time. I mean, <laughs> and when I say surprised, I mean, a lot of times we'll leave here thinking that we got nothing because they're not seeing what I'm seeing and they're not seeing that I may be shooting at 1.8 and completely blurring the background out of focus. And they're seeing the big picture. And if they don't see a big cheesy smile on their child right off, I think sometimes they think that we got nothing. And I bet you three out of five sessions that I will tell someone, don't worry, I wouldn't stop unless I knew I had this taken care of. Because I feel like sometimes they think, oh my gosh, my child was horrible. They were ornery. They did all this. But that's the great stuff. And if you catch it at the right time, the orneriness and the chaos that they cause sometimes, that's where their personality is coming out. And right. That's what they're going to see a week later when they come to look at their portrait. Oh, that's great. How many gotchas do you like to have on the card before you call it a day? I take a two gig card in with me. And on my camera, I believe that's pretty close to 100 images. I've been known to take more than that. <laughs> um, I try to narrow it down. A newborn session, I'll typically leave a lot more on there because we want to sell an album. So we want the back of the head. We want the little wrinkles on their shoulders, you know, more body parts, of course, and little things that aren't as dear and tender later throughout the following months, you know, because this has gone so quick. So we try to capture just every little piece of the newborns. And so we can really go over on those numbers. And again, stuff like that doesn't require a lot of artwork or retouching. So to just put that into a DVD or an album, like I said, it's really no problem for us to overshoot on things like that. Now, when you have that many images, do you ever find it challenging for the customer? I mean, how do you handle them not being overwhelmed or having too many choices to make? How do you guide them through that? Well, they are overwhelmed and they do have too many choices. 
Um, <laughs> our goal in the studio, we have kind of a, I won't say unspoken little rule here, but we feel like we have not been successful if we don't have a $1,250 sale every time. The $1,250 is the magic number for us. In some areas that may be really high, in some areas that may be really low, but for us here in our studio, that's just the magic number. Of course, we like to have higher sales than that, but that's kind of our bottom line that we need to see from each session. And with that, we've made our DVD available free. So basically, they get the DVD if they've spent $1,250. And we found if they're overwhelmed, a lot of times we'll suggest that they either buy the DVD, purchase it, and take it home and think about it for a while. And then they can apply their DVD towards the sale as they earn it back when they reach that $1,250. That's a cool Um, idea. kind of one option for them. Really, I, I hear that argument a lot, but I think it works for our studio. I think they want a lot of images. They count on it. And I believe since we're word of mouth that they've heard about it and know when they come in that it's going to happen. Right. <laughs> now, you mentioned album sales. Is that sometimes help when you can kind of say, well, hey, how about we just use them all? Or <laughs> Absolutely. And we thought long and hard about our pricing too. And one of the concepts is that when you spend twelve fifty, you get the DVD. Well, once you've spent twelve fifty, you've already ordered from probably ten to fifteen images to get you there, whether it be a collage or a wall portrait and billfolds and some gift prints. And so we feel like this just gets us even closer to that album because with our albums, the way we have them priced, we basically price them according to how many images you've purchased from. So if a client has purchased from twenty images, they can basically get a twenty image album at cost. Well, cost for us is triple the price of the album. Because really, by the time we put it together and send it off to the lab and package it up and all, we do have some more cost in it. But we feel like if they've bought 10 to 15 images to push them to the next level, that's an extra 5 to 10 images that they have to purchase to get to the album. So if they feel like they're already two-thirds of the way there, suggesting the album a lot of times will just increase our sale further. We're selling more images to get there. That sounds terrific. That's a really neat way to handle that. And your albums are are extra special, I'd have to say, by seeing a couple of the examples that you had. Tell us a little bit about your album design process. Well, the first thing I want to say is albums are not profitable if you do not have album templates to put them in. We used to create each album from scratch, basically, for each client. And of course, if you're doing that and you're designing 20 pages plus, you have to charge a fortune for it. And when you throw out $2,000 at a client for an album, they're going to flip and they're going to think there's no way they can get to that. What we decided to do was to create album templates with some basic designs. And we may have like a, a turquoise series over here and we may have a birthday series here that has the brighter colors and then another series that includes pastel styles. And so they can kind of pick their style and we'll tweak it to fit their photos. But for the most part, we decided to just create these albums ahead of time. And then we were able to price them to where they were affordable for people. If you are creating albums from scratch, you're spending way too many hours and you can't possibly afford to sell them for what a client's willing to pay. We've noticed that since we stopped creating these albums from scratch and already had a stock of templates ready, that our album sales have went up incredibly because number one, we're not hesitant to make them anymore because it doesn't (laughs) take two weeks. And number two, we can offer them more affordably for the client. And, you know, it really takes care of the clients that live in these newer style homes that they really do not have the wall space. I know we all get sick of hearing, I just don't have the wall space for that. 
that if we have them come back four times the first year and twice over the second year, and then we move on to the second child and we keep going, they really may run out of small (laughs) space. So what we're encouraging is to start a library. And just hearing the word, start a library of your child, sounds like something they need to do. Right. And if they're doing it for one child, they're going to need to do it for another child. So (laughs) we just feel like it's a really great way to throw in another product that, you know, we're kind of moving in that direction towards anyway. So So now you have design templates and you offer those as well, correct? We do. Uh Uh-huh. Now, is that part of your business or is that under another business that you guys Um, run as well? We actually started a sister company, Design Revolution. And that's designrevolutiononline.com. Everything is available there. We do have album templates available on that website. We have all of our greeting card and bookmarks, rep cards, all of the special sizes that our lab offers. We have several collections on that site as well. We have also added, I would say, 50 to 75 different clothing items that kind of tie into our albums. Some of the themes and colors kind of go with the clothing that we provide also. That's great. I was actually going to ask you about that because if you have your album colors and everything in mind, I was going to ask if it ties back to the clothing selection and the set selection and all that as well. You know, we sure try to. And all of our album templates, we've left them in layered PSD files so that you can actually go in and tweak the color or the hue or saturation on any of them. Some of the decorative elements that we've added on top, they're all on separate layers so that you can kind of customize them to go with the portrait session. And what we're trying to do now is package things together to where we may have a ballerina package where we have six to eight different ballet outfits and an album and some templates for greeting cards or bookmarks, whatever it may be, to go with those sets so that the photographer can just purchase the package and then they have a whole new theme to offer to their clients and it's ready to go. So they're not fussing with the marketing material and all of that. That's a great idea. It works. Our clients love it. So it's available to to other people too. That's really great. That's really cool that you guys are sharing that information and making that available. When your customers come into your studio, then they don't have to worry about outfits from home or anything like that. Or do you let them bring stuff sometimes? How's that work? You know, we always want them to bring things. And in fact, we encourage them to bring more than one thing because a lot of times they're not thinking. And if you tell them, oh, wow, do you have like a hat and scarf and it's 90 degrees outside, you know, or a fur coat, you know, a coat that has the fur around the hood so we can put around the baby's face, they may look at you like you're crazy. (laughs) But, you know, if you say, oh, bring your favorite outfit and if they have anything dear to them or, you know, a special animal or a blankie, it may not be a great color, but it may look good in black and white, we tell them just bring it along because all these little things, it may not be something that we use for the whole session. We may just throw it in at the end or, you know, just have a little hint of it in the background because if they bring it, most likely it does mean something to them. And the things that we want them to bring sound crazy to them. So we like to kind of (laughs) leave it open. And and I tell them, you know what? Sometimes people bring suitcases. Just bring it all. We'll go through it and we'll tell you what's going to look good. And we may even bring some things out for you to use too. And where we we do let them pick, but, you know, they want to listen to us because they want their portrait to look the best that they can. And they know that's what we do. So they're open to our suggestions. And a lot of times, especially the little girls, you can't keep a little girl off of a ballet bar or out of a ballet or tutu outfit. So it kind of works its way out there. We did a couple of years ago produce a set of high-end angel wings. I had never done angel wings 
in my life, and I never thought I would, but we had another baby, and she was getting a little bit past the chubby sitting stage, and I thought, gosh, if I'm going to do this, I have to do it now. (laughs) I don't want to invest a lot of money because I'll probably never use them again. I've, I've never done angel wings, and usually when you do see some of the angel stuff done or some of the wings that you can find anywhere, they're just not that classy. Right. <laughs> so we came up with a set. This was real pretty and fluffy and feathery and sweet and photographed my daughter in them. And I just put the image on my blog because it was cute. And we started getting phone calls and I never, ever dreamt of making an angel wing in my life. And within the first day, we had sold 20 pairs of angel wings. Wow. <laughs> and my sister-in-law came in to work the next day, who is actually working in the studio with me, and I was training her on photography. Came in the next day, and I said, well, guess what, Leslie? And she said, what? And I said, you have a new company. And she said, what's that? And I said, well, you sell angel wings now. <laughs> and so I showed the girls how I did them, and that's how it started. And, you know, it was totally one of those things that we didn't really think we would be doing, but we had clients call and ask for them. And we would have, like, angel specials, and for the people that didn't, call and book it or didn't think it was something they would want, as we did in the beginning, we would just stick them on the babies at the end of the session. We'd say, you know what, we we need to photograph these for our website. Let's just get a couple. And we found that they were selling like hotcakes. I mean, they they had to have the image of their baby in the wings. So kind of where all that started. And from there, we kept thinking, well, then we can do the ballet outfits and then we can do the little chaps and that, you know, just, it just kind of snowballed from there. (laughs) That's a great story. Well, if you don't mind, I'd like to switch gears a little bit here, Anya, because we do like to talk about lighting and technique a little bit. And you mentioned that you have a natural light studio. Uh How do you control that? Is it windows? What is it like when you're shooting in terms of controlling light? Well, we have north light windows and they run the whole 26 foot span of Mm -hmm. the building. Actually, the studio we built about eight years ago, and it's attached to our home. We have some acreage out here, and so we had room on the side of the house to add that on. And as far as controlling it, we schedule our sessions during the day at 9.30, 12, and 2.30. That allows for us to have the perfect light that we need to make our portraits have the look that they do. We do like to use a very shallow depth of field. And with children, you know, you do need some shutter speed on there to to catch what they're doing. So for us, that's what works. There are days that I do need to use my lights. I do have studio lights, and I did learn photography with studio lights the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) With the uh, RZ67 and waiting a week to come back from the lab to see what you did right or did wrong. Um, So I do have studio lights when I have to use them, and I do say have to because you just can't beat natural light. We do emulate natural light. We have a 4 by 6 soft box. It's Larson. They're fabulous because they're nice and narrow, and for working in small spaces, it just gives you you know that extra bit of shoulder room that you need. And we would set that up just like we would have them with a north light window. We just try to mimic that, and we use lots of reflectors. We use reflectors on the opposite side. And like I said, I like to have a big area for children to move around. So for us, we kind of like a trifold type setup for the reflectors opposite of the 4x6 main light. And that's the basic setup. We do some high key. We do have a background and a hair light. But, you know, other than for certain situations with high school seniors, we really try not to have to break those out. Do you keep the reflectors in place when the windows are open or does, do you have your walls a certain color? How, how do you handle the fill and just your images look so bright? Is that because of the... When we're using artificial lighting? No, when you have natural light, is it just... With the natural light, the windows are camera left and they go the whole span from actually where I'm working 
to the end of the background. So the entire length of the room has the natural light windows. The reflectors would be to the right of me, just kind of gently wrapping where the subject main area is. And as far as colors from the walls or... Yeah, we've been asking some of our guests that own studios what they decided to paint the color of their walls because we've been getting questions from our listeners about that a lot lately. Sure. Well, the walls in there are white. We do have several backgrounds that, if you can imagine a canvas gallery wrap, we've wrapped the muslin in the same fashion and stapled them on there so that we don't have any wrinkles. And it's kind of like moving a lightweight wall around. We do have some of those around the studio walls, just kind of leaning when we're not using them. So I'm sure there is some reflective color, but it's not a problem that we've noticed yet. I have noticed problems when we use artificial lighting with the windows coming in as some fill lighting. Mm. You know, we'll get some areas where the color balance seems to be conflicting with each other. I think that's something only we notice and we'll correct it on the final image, but it's certainly not something that a client or anybody has ever noticed. Now, with the windows that you have, do you have any sort of diffusion over them? Are they just open or, or how do you treat that? They're completely open and, I, yeah, I wouldn't have it any other way. kind of has a nice wrap all the way around because they're in front of them, on them, and behind them. You've got some amazing images in your portfolio. Thank so you. I, I think you designing your studio, you did a great job, and also you're very talented. Well, thanks very much. Let's switch a little bit again. I'm curious about your senior portrait business, too, because obviously they're not all in the studio. Do you like location shooting as well? I like location shooting at the beginning of the senior season, which is late May, early June. If you can get me before it's too hot outside, I'd love to go anywhere around town. And, you know, you're always so excited at the beginning of the season. You want to try all these new things, and you're just kind of geared up for something fresh and new. So I would say that I'm definitely more fun to hire as your senior portrait photographer at the beginning of the season. And those are the seniors that are most excited to come anyway. They're there right when the season starts. They've booked their appointment. They've thought about this since they were 13, and they're ready to go. So I will venture out with them. I'll take them to fun spots around town. We'll try new things. A lot of times, too, if it's something new that I I don't know if it's even going to go over well, I'll tell them we won't count this as one of your outfits. This is something that I just wanted to try, and, you know, we may see these and we may not. So, you know, most of them are really willing to trust you. They know that your best interest is to make them look great. So, Well, now, when you're doing location photography, what kind of equipment do you like to take along? I always take a couple of reflectors. I don't think I ever photograph without one. I mean, I can think of very few occasions where I haven't added a reflector into the equation. You know, I just took a workshop from another photographer who's really well-known for seniors. And when I was up visiting her, you know, everybody was so amazed at how she'd put them under a nice covered bridge and the lighting would be just beautiful. And they were all snapping away. And she's like, but wait. And she gets out her subtractive lighting and gets the gobo above their head and she gets out the reflector and goes underneath them and everybody's jaw just drops. I think people who haven't played with reflectors enough or haven't gone the extra mile to do that something special to their portrait, they're amazed when they see what reflectors can do for them. But you know, it is time consuming and it takes a little bit longer, but it really adds that nice thing, which I guess Kirk refers to as the garlic, (laughs) um, to the image. It it does. How do you go about selecting your locations? You just kind of walk around with the senior picking out spots or do you have some things where you go around town that you just know that you like to shoot? That's changed a lot over the years. We all know about the mother that calls and has this beautiful 
flower field or pond in her backyard and wants portraits done there and right. you get there and there's absolutely nowhere to work. It's pretty, <laughs> but there's nowhere to work for a portrait. You know, in the beginning, of course, I always tried, you know, I'd see something I think would be cool and kind of trial and error, you know, and you start to get to know what types of areas work well and what types of areas don't work well. And I admit I have certain areas that I will only go to at certain parts of the day because there's just not a big enough gobo or there's not, it just doesn't work for what look you're trying to get. But like I said, too, if it's somewhere new that I've been wanting to try out, I may very well just offer them another outfit on their session and let them play. Wait, did cool. you do the same thing with seniors? You let them bring their own outfits and then you try to match the color with the environment? I do. Of course, I always insist they bring a suitcase full of clothes. And I've had them with three people behind them carrying <laughs> right. big bags. Entourage. There's nothing better than to be able to dig through a senior's clothes, lay them all out, wish you were that tiny, and then (laughs) start, you know, matching things up. I always have them go through and I say, what would you be just totally devastated if you did not wear for your senior portraits? Because it may not be the perfect portrait outfit, but if it's them, you need to at least work in one of their outfits that they plan on wearing. And, you know, you don't have to do a whole entire session in their outfit choices. And again, they do want our opinions. They know that we know what we're doing and we've tried and true. We've worked with the girl that's slightly overweight and hates her arms and she brings all the sleeveless clothing. (laughs) So I think they're willing to take our word for it and kind of go with our suggestions. But over the phone, I'll make a lot of suggestions to them on, on the different types of things to bring with them. And usually I'm kind of looking at mom, too, and kind of watching when her eyes light up and when her eyes say, mm-mm, she's right. not even wear that for her session. <laughs> too short. <laughs> too, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, and we've learned to keep sexy to a minimum. One thing in the outfit. We never do the sexy shoes, the sexy skirt, the sexy top, and the sexy pose. I mean, if they've got to have something in there and you can tell that they've been thinking about that forever, we'll pull one element in and that's where we cut it off. It's just for us, it's not how we want to be. Right. You can be sexy, but you got to keep it tasteful. Absolutely. Before we wrap up, do you have any advice for photographers that might be getting into the portrait business or anything like that? Actually, I guess if I could go back in the beginning, I do have to say that when I started, digital was just kind of beginning to creep up and, and be interesting. And people were thinking, what's this all about? There really was nobody to ask or to get help from. You know, the resources like what you all are doing or Pro Forum, like Kirk has, the workshops and things that are available to these people now, it's just amazing. You know, I have to say that I've been a member of some of the larger groups for photographers. And, you know, I've been to all the five-day conventions that have 30 different speakers and some may be doing weddings, some may be doing sports, some may be doing like CSI type crime scene photography. (laughs) You know, pick somebody you love, somebody's style that you love, somebody's work ethics and their photography and just something that you would be proud to produce yourself. And my gosh, take a workshop from that person. Don't waste your money on being the jack of all trades. You know, get in there and do what you love to do and find somebody that can be your mentor. It's available everywhere now. It's amazing. That's terrific advice. Well, Julie, we want to thank you for sharing your information with us tonight. We really appreciate the opportunity to chat with you and get to know you a little bit. Sure. Thanks a lot. Well, that's all we have for this episode of LightSource, the brightest podcast on the internet.
Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode and all the other LightSource episodes at the website studiolighting.net. And you can also send us an email comment at studiolighting at gmail.com when you can send us comments, questions, or just images that you'd like us to see. And if you really want to get involved with some of the other listeners to the show, you can head over to the LightSource Flickr group at www.flickr.com slash groups slash LightSource. You can post your images and get feedback on your photography as well as seeing the things that we're taking pictures of. And as always, if you missed any of these links, our quick outro here, you can find all of that and more at www.studiolighting.net. Till next time. Bye-bye. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.